Friends, before we begin, let me invite you to keep up with all the Tracks for the Journey resources by subscribing to the Tracks Express newsletter. Once a week, I send a wide range of helps for well-being directly to your inbox. The Express has inspiration and insights for spirituality, relationships, ecology, emotional health, and yes, recipes for good food. The easiest way to subscribe is on my website, www.tracksforthejourney.com. Thanks for listening today. Do you know what happened on November 6, 1971? It was in the little town of Carthage, Missouri. An event took place which had never occurred in 200,000 years of human history. On that day, I preached my first sermon to a friendly congregation in a small Baptist church. It was the public beginning of a ministry career that has now spanned 50 years. Welcome to Tracks for the Journey, a podcast anthology dedicated to your well-being. I'm Larry Payne, your host. On today's special edition podcast, I'd like to claim some personal time to share some reflections about five decades of ministry experience. I'll mix and match the usual progressive theology and psychology with my own sojourn across the decades. No matter what career or life experience you have, I hope some of these ideas will help you for the next 50 days or 50 years. Join me for the next few minutes of reflection on 50 years of ministry and living. Let me share a brief overview of my work for those who don't know my backstory. I grew up in a traditional Baptist church in the Show Me State, blessed with a supportive family and middle-class lifestyle. I liked church, school, and the friends that I had. I had health, male power, white privilege, and abundant opportunity. I recognize now how incredible and providential were those things that I simply took for granted 50 years ago. Considering personality, I emerged from this cocoon on the Enneagram as a five, focused more on thinking than feeling, needy of significance and connection, independent and task-focused. In my culture of conservative religion, the idea of receiving divine direction was common. I felt such a heart tug as a 19-year-old seeking to clarify what I might do for a career. I felt God wanted me in Christian ministry. So on that Saturday night in 1971, I stood up to deliver my first sermon. My parents, fiancé, future in-laws, and a bunch of friends witnessed the endeavor. History records the United States exploded one of the largest underground nuclear test bombs on that day in faraway Alaska. I guess my sermon wasn't a bomb, though, as several folks encouraged me to continue. Maybe they hoped I would improve. From there, it was time to get married to that brown-haired beauty who listened that day, go to college and seminary, 
then start pastoral work and have a family. I served for 26 years in three churches. Four children came along in those years to change everything I thought I ever knew about life. A big change came in 2002 when I started work as a hospital chaplain. During those 16 years in healthcare, I also studied to become a licensed professional counselor. Since 2018, I've done counseling part-time and become a certified podcaster as well. You might call it a checkered career, and you would sure be right. So, what are some of the things that I've learned? Well, let's explore it after a brief break. This podcast comes to you on the 50th anniversary of that first public act of ministry. And over these decades, I've enjoyed the company of one patient and loving wife, watched four young adults graduate from college and establish their careers and families, welcomed eight grandkids into the world, and survived one pandemic. So it is time to ask, what can I see looking back from here? One thing I know in retrospect is how important it is to keep the focus on people, not institutions or even the daily to-do list. Given my personality, that took me a while to learn. The years of being a pastor seemed burdened with keeping the institution running, money flowing, programs humming, and sermons lively. That's what I'd been taught in seminary, what I'm gifted to do, and what the deacons expected. But a strange thing kept happening. The people talked about the things that were personal. The contacts I had made, like a visit to a hospital, support in heartbreaking loss, or fun during a church retreat. Few seemed to really care about the exciting teachings I offered on the Gospel of John or some other biblical topic. After two and a half decades the people focus became even more clear in the hospital environment. I wasn't in charge of the multi-million dollar, 3,000 employee health care system, and that really felt good. It was the people I had to care for in the rush of the emergency room, the tension of a family crisis, or the loneliness of the chronically ill. The employees I supervised needed personal care far more than weekly assignments or training. In those co-worker relationships, I found some of the best encouragement and support a person could have. As I grew more aware of my own needs and shadows, became vulnerable and honest, I enjoyed myself and others even more. My current work in counseling has only added to a focus on the human experience. More than anything, the active clan that is my family has brought the joy of love and what it means to care for others. I think these small insights are in line with the heart of God revealed in the work of Jesus. Jesus focused on the Samaritan woman, the blind beggar, and the money-hungry tax collector as objects of redeeming grace. He didn't build an institution or write a volume of ritual teachings. For all of us, whatever your work may be or life situation, Let me urge you to make loving and helping the people near you 
the main work of life. A second reflection on what I've learned is about the value of balance. This was not really easy for me. It took a while to learn that I had the responsibility to keep my life balanced between myself, the family, and work. In the early years, it was too easy for me to get overweighted on church work to the neglect of my family and health. I felt I had to keep driving to do more, earn another degree, meet another crisis, or lead another program. I needed to achieve and feel important. Should I stay home with my wife and one-week-old baby or go to a denominational meeting? Well, I made the wrong choice that long-ago day. Out of balance? You guessed it. My family suffered from poor choices about my time and energy, and so did I. Eventually, I wore out under my self-imposed breakneck schedule, congregational conflicts, and family issues that had developed. So a change had to come. Thankfully, with a new place of ministry, the opportunity came to slowly build a better balance to care for family and my own needs. Life improved as I focused more on life as a human being rather than a human doing. I felt God had delivered me from bondage to a promised land. For you, in your unique situation, the challenge may still be great to create this balance. Don't stop trying. Your health, your loved ones, and the community really do need it. In our 24-7-365 world, be careful to create the balance needed for your own well-being and for those you care about. I think you can count on the all-loving, ever-present God to work with you on this very task. I appreciate you indulging my personal time on the podcast to reflect on these years of ministry. And the final idea I would offer is the value of authenticity. To be authentic is to know yourself in the deepest way and to live according to that knowledge. Sociologist Brene Brown has written, Authenticity is the daily practice of letting go who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. I know this is a lifelong quest. It is the modern reflection of the third phase of the Great Commandment, the part where Jesus commands us to honor and to love ourselves. When we hold ourself in the esteem that God does, then we can move away from shame and fear. We can be authentic with others. The challenge for me was always balancing what I thought I had to do in my ministry with what I felt and really believed. Back in the years of being a pastor, this sometimes required hiding my honest emotions to keep the peace rather than dealing honestly with others. It often required, in my mind, staying silent about my theological beliefs to maintain the denominational creed. I finally left the denomination when I couldn't be authentic to the beliefs God placed in my heart. It was at that time I began to confront my deeper self in all the issues, fears, and then to explore new areas of growth. The past couple of decades, God has prompted some adventures of personal and religious growth. 
I've had a great bit of freedom to discover more about myself as a disciple of Jesus, a husband, a dad and granddad, a complex human being, a semi-retired professional, a cisgendered white male, a runner, a writer, an Enneagram 5 wing 6, a Myers-Briggs INTJ. Well, the list could go on and on, and you've heard enough. I hope I've also had the courage to live honestly with these facets of identity in loving relationships. Over the years, it's also been time to grow theologically and to discover insights about God much different than what I started with, but I think much more in tune with God's true character and will. As you listen today, I think you would benefit to pause and answer, Who am I now in my own eyes and in the eyes of others? For everyone, this question of authenticity has challenges and rewards. You may find it perplexing and even possibly painful. Professional health is often a great choice. Letting go of a public fantasy self allows the discovery of the real person inside your skin. And if the gaps grow too large between inner and outer, it's time to make some changes. The Jesus of John's Gospel promised that the Spirit would come to each of us as the Spirit of Truth. So, let us learn from this divine teacher. I do appreciate you taking time to listen to these personal reflections. Fifty years. I cannot imagine that the time has gone like it has. Who could have imagined what one Saturday night in Missouri would grow and become? I've offered about 10,000 sermons, lessons, weddings, funerals, seminar lectures, and devotionals across those years. Countless phone calls, home visits, hospital room contacts, counseling sessions, and even some jail time have marked the days. More important are 69 years of life, 53 years of love with my wife, and 45 years of parenthood. These have helped to bring the lessons of love to my heart. How exciting to believe that there's more to explore, more to learn, more to do, and more to share. The wisdom of Mother Teresa of Calcutta sums up what's on my mind as I close out these reflections. She said, Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. We've come to the end of another episode of Tracks for the Journey. I'd like to remind you that all of the episodes are available at the website buzzsprout.com slash 907723. That's my specific page on my podcast hosting service. It allows you to click on any of the episodes we've covered in the last two years. 
If you like what you've heard today or in any of the episodes, share a rating with your podcast provider and send the link to some friends. And I invite you to go to tracksforthejourney.com to find more resources for your faith journey. I certainly welcome your partnership through Buy Me a Book, where a small contribution can go a long way. You can find a link at the Tracks for the Journey website. You can also join the community on Facebook or email me care of trackspodcast at outlook.com. Tracks for the Journey is produced at the Bright Star Studio and hosted by buzzsprout.com. All rights reserved. Music is provided through Epidemic Music.